1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So more information about that uh, drone attack. ...that uh, took the lives of three American soldiers on the border of Jordan and Syria. Uh, Wall Street Journal reporting yesterday, the U.S. failed to stop that attack on the American outpost in Jordan. When the uh, enemy drone approached its target at the same time, a U.S. drone was also returning to base. The return of the U.S. drone led to some confusion over whether the incoming drone was friendly or enemy... And um, uh, that's what they've concluded so far, though the inquiry into the attack is still ongoing. So a uh, confusion that cost the lives of three American soldiers. But the larger question, of course, that has been batted around since this news uh, was relayed about these deaths is, so why do we have the presence in these places that we have? Why has it taken three servicemen uh, to be killed for there to be a response and assessment when you've had something on the order of 150 such of these attacks or attempted attacks since the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack in Gaza. Three, three one, one two
2: six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey 5600 pro answer line, 64636, six, type in DA, then a quick comment. And also those three servicemen or women and men who died, there was also 34 people injured and they were sleeping. It was at nighttime. So everybody was in their beds when this happened.
0: Yeah. And uh, a stirring tribute from the administration. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure you've heard uh, from the perfect spokesman for this president, someone who is equally dimwitted and equally incoherent, uh, equally ignorant about a range of topics that would be. Jean pierre KJP
3: what I will say our deepest uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our he- heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three three brave, uh, three, brave uh, three brave uh three brave of uh, three folks who are who are military folks who are brave who are always fighting who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people
0: please don't enlist her to give the eulogies I just mean, can,
2: it's just they're it, reading statements of condolences that they, they're not feeling, and they can't even read them right. They don't care. They don't give a rat's patutu about these three service people. And it's so Sergeant was, Williams, Jerome Rivers, 46, uh, Kennedy Landon Sanders, and Brianna Moffat. And Kennedy Sanders, her mom spoke yesterday when she heard the news.
4: She never expressed any fear. And um, Tower 22 is nothing that she ever mentioned to us. She was full of life. Um, She enjoyed life to the fullest. Um, You know, she was just uh, a ray of sunshine for anyone that came in contact with her.
2: 24
0: years old. So now the larger issue is um, what exactly is this administration doing uh, combined with uh, some neocons? to uh, bang the war drums in the direction of Iran. Now, you know, the immediate calls for striking some striking Iran back after these uh, uh, sponsored attacks Uh, and. The and and, and some of those uh, individuals saying strike inside Iran, others that are being more measured strike at these proxies outside of Iran. The the larger dynamic here, because you remember that uh, the big guy and uh, those around him were deathly afraid that Trump was going to get us into a war with Iran back in 2020. It was Trump who was oh, reckless. Right. It was Trump <laughs> who uh, was uh, capable of anything on his way out the door. Such that he'd wag the dog. Remember,
5: the world has changed because of what Trump has done and the American people, including independents and some Republicans, know how bad he is, know how much he's misrepresented, know how he's getting close to getting us in a war. I said, as the walls close in on this man, I'm worried he's going to get us to war in Iran. Unfortunately, I may have been right. The fact of the matter is there's a lot at stake in this
0: election. hmm.
6: And what, He's what the one Biden who's do? going to pull yep. us
0: into a war with Iran. Mm-hmm. So we're we're in Eastern Europe, uh, we're in the Middle East, we're uh, doing military exercises uh, in advance down in South America in advance of a potential invasion by Venezuela of Guyana for oil deposits, and now this. So what's the play here? What was the play? with respect to the Iran nuclear deal, going back to Joe Obama Terms 1 and 2, and then, of course, resuscitated when the big guy took office. Uh, What is the larger play? Is this another case of projection by this administration, putting onto others, their enemies, who they actually are? Joe Kent is a Republican candidate for congress in washington state he's also a green beret who served 11 combat duties and he he had a uh, his wife uh, who was also uh, in the military i think she was a cryptographer in the navy she was killed in a bombing attack in syria in 2019 he was on with uh, tucker carlson uh, on his latest episode of his program that i think still lives on twitter uh, mainly anyway um he talked about this and it was interesting uh his evolution from where he was when he was uh uh, being deployed by the united states into the middle east they said 11 combat tours and where he is today what he thinks is going on his perspective
5: I mean, this whole thing, we've seen it coming, Tucker. We left our troops in these vulnerable locations, like on the Jordanian, Syrian, and Iraqi border. Our troops have been attacked, we we think, at least 150 times since the uh, October 7th uh, incident began. And so we've seen this coming. This was an inevitable conclusion. So by leaving our troops in these locations, undefended essentially, we left them there as bait because so many people in Washington, D.C. want to go to war with iran they want to go to a war with iran so badly that we will prop up the government of iraq while the government of iraq is completely controlled by iran we spend billions of dollars every single year funding arming trading and equipping the iraqi government so they can turn around and support the exact same militias that just killed our troops biden said it himself in his statement, he accused Iranian-backed militants operating in Iraq in Syria of conducting this attack that killed the three Americans and wounded nearly 30 more. That is nothing short of saying the, pop, the popular mobilization forces, which is the part of the Iraqi military that we support. So if you look at just the full scope of the way that we have arranged ourselves in the Middle East, who we're supporting and where our troops are, there's no other logical conclusion other than the fact that we have left them there as bait to be killed mm-hmm. by Iranians at the time and place of their choosing so that we can continue to escalate towards a conflict
0: with Iran bait that's interesting so um i don't i don 't quite I, I totally agree with his description of Iraq being totally controlled by Iran there certainly uh is Iranian influence there since we left, so thinking about uh the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and what we've left behind and how those decisions have or have not enhanced our national security. That's certainly something to consider um, looking back at the last 20 years. But um, in, in Iraq, there are some Iranian proxies, there's no question. Uh, the uh, Popular Mobilization Forces that have pledged their legions to the Ayatollah They've used violence to crush opposition to Iranian influence, trying to expel the remaining U.S. forces in Iraq. But there's also some indigenous opposition to the United States in Iraq. So, you know, we're Iraq is officially like a partner in peace in the Middle East, but uh, unofficially, in reality, it's very complicated to his point now this uh, matter he brings up about um, the outpost in jordan and syria which deserves more discussion yeah 22 and the, 22. Tr- and the tr- well and the true presence in the middle east generally speaking there as targets there as bait for escalation that was an interesting phrase bait for escalation so again i i the underlying question is the whole biden uh the jobama Iran nuclear deal is a sign of weakness, and they're going to empower Iran. Well, that's true, but to what end? Are they spoiling for war?
2: Uh, maybe it's the distraction away from the invasion that's happening at our border.
0: That I started the, the 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 Iranian nuclear deal dates back. I know more than a decade. Yeah. Right.
5: And a lot of the justification for leaving our troops in Syria and in Iraq has been to prevent so-called Iranian influence, malign Iranian influence to counter Russia. Uh, That is nothing more than us baiting a trap for ourselves to get our troops killed to encourage and then really to justify a further war against Iran. It's absolute insanity. And we have to ask ourselves as American citizens, what do we gain from this? If we're going to deploy our troops and we're going to lose our best and our brightest and we're going to spend trillions of dollars, what do we, the American people, gain? At the same time, we just lost three Americans defending the Jordanian-Syrian border. Our border is wide open. Fentanyl is killing over 118,000 of our citizens. 10 million illegal invaders have come into our country. So where are the priorities of our ruling class? And I I think it's absolutely evil. I think it's completely and totally treasonous. And we need to get these people out of office as soon as possible.
2: I mean, can you imagine if you had a loved one, a son or a daughter stationed at Tower 22 or anywhere in the Middle East? I mean, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And you know that the government and the president doesn't have your back. I mean, Biden had nothing on his schedule yesterday. I would have made something on my schedule to come out and say, look, I talked to the family members. You know, we're going to do something about this. But what's the plan? There is no plan.
0: Uh, To um, Kent's point and and, uh, yours, 300 National Guardsmen are called up. They're going to be deployed in uh, Illinois National Guardsmen. They're going to be deployed to the Middle East. Oh, God. Uh, so uh, go back to Joe Kent, the Green Beret, and his evolution on this. And, and you know, I got to admit my evolution on this, too. You know, you I, I was certainly a, a defender of the Bush-Cheney decision to go into Iraq at the time. Uh, there's some hard lessons I think we have got to learn from the last 20 years looking back at things and perhaps um, – looking back on them with a clear, clear understanding of the motivations of some and the power of institutions inside our government that are unelected. Joe Kent would love to defend the neocons,
5: but he can't. You, you just uh, are kowtowing to Vladimir Putin. It's the exact same mentality that got us into the Iraq war. You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And look, Tucker, I would love to come on here and defend neoconservatism as someone who you know, lost my late wife in these wars, as somebody who lost countless friends, as somebody who fought myself 11 combat deployments. I spent most of my 20s and 30s in Iraq. I would love to tell you it had worked, but it simply did not. And that's a very hard thing to admit. I get into arguments yes. all the time uh, with fellow veterans about this exact same topic. So I think a lot of this is literally the gambler's fallacy. There's a lot of people who think, hey, yeah. if we just keep trying, if we keep attempting to spread freedom through the barrel of a gun and trillions of US dollars, this time it's going to work. Let's just double down. And this is well, how really nice casinos are built in Las Vegas off of this exact same mentality. So I think that combined with the financial interest from Lockheed Martin and every single defense contractor, and you know, putting uh, someone like Lloyd Austin as the Secretary of Defense who's still on the board at Raytheon, I think those that factor with that mentality and people not being able to admit that we got this wrong and then making adjustments to our policy.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Going from uh, the Jordanian-Syrian border to our own southern border. Talking about federal policy first, there's a lot to cover on uh, the the matter of border security and migration but let's start at the federal level where we were and and again as we were talking about the motivation here from this administration I I am not one given over to conspiracy theories in fact if you listen to the show I routinely pillory them right and if I go on one you're like uh, uh are you sure about that but but when you see something happening and it doesn't make any sense and it is politically costly to the party pursuing it, then you do have to start to say, well, is there something else going on that I'm not privy to or do I need to look at this from a bit of a different angle, understand people's motivations here, what the real play is? And that's sort of what we were talking about with things like the Iranian nuclear deal and the general softness to Iran for the last 15 years. Uh, And now the Biden administration sounding like Lindsey Graham. Now everybody wants to bomb them. I mean, yes, you have the measured, you know, we'll at our we'll call the shot at our, you know, time and place. But it's definitely that attitude. And you wonder. If there is the larger play here that is not just uh, uh providing a glide that is not just a misunderstanding that's right. not just a bad policy choice they just have a different world view and they think that you can be make friends with Iran and that will lead to more stable middle east so that they're well intended they just have a different outlook on trying to get to the same place and they're woefully right. ill informed they're mistaken about it. And the obviousness of their uh, wrongheadedness continues to manifest itself as it has with the death of those three servicemen. But um, but but it's but there's not not a there's not there's not a war party. They're not trying to uh, goad Iran into a regional conflict in service of the military industrial complex in D.C., I, you know, I, I, well, I think you I think if I could just finish, yeah. I, I think you have to really start to at least ask questions about what they're saying their intentions are and what they actually are. Well, they kept saying all day
2: yesterday, you know, you know the whole time it's don't their message to Iran, don't one word, don't like that was tough enough. But I loved what Mike Pompeo said yesterday, he said, we're not at war with them, but they're at war with us. And, Dan, my heart sank when you said last half hour that we're sending 300 Illinois National Guards over there, Guardsmen and Women. Yeah, that, that's, well, that's That's the right. death sentence. I, I, I mean, no one has their back. And who told Iran that, wh- what time our drone was coming back? Because they had to have known that information or followed our drone because our drone was supposed to land in the morning. And they bombed us the same time our drone was supposed to land at Tower 22 on the Jordan-Syrian wow. border there.
0: Well, obviously, it's unclear what Iran knew, and there's been no reporting on that. But, but uh, I mean, fine, you can ask the question. But wait, makes wait, me wonder. Wait, wait, I, I? I'm not sure Pompeo is right. By the way, that's one of the questions. Okay. That they're at they're at war with us, but we're not at war with them, aren't we? Are we? I, I don't think that question is as obvious. The answer to that question is as obvious as Mike Pompeo would have us believe honestly
2: well this is my point this is 65 times
0: this this is my point about i'm not questioning what iran's motive is i'm questioning what ours is this is the whole point should we take at face value what is being fed to us about the motivations and the policy position That's an expression of an understanding of the world. Should we take that at face value? And I'm saying, I don't think we can anymore. And it's the same thing with the border. And this, again, is uh, mainly the left, but it certainly includes some ostensibly on the right or the center right. So let's go to the border and let's listen to Jim Lankford, Republican senator from Oklahoma who is one of the leads on this ongoing negotiation over some kind of immigration deal with the Democrats in the Senate. That is DOA in the House, if, it's, if it turns out to be anything like what it's been reported to be. So Jim Lankford is on with Shannon Bream over the weekend on Fox explaining things to us and, and as he's been doing for the last several days dismissing the criticism as internet rumors uh, you haven't even seen the language yet we're trying to get to the language so this is his attempt to uh, you know, pony up and okay well here's the this uh, five thousand person threshold at the border Roll the seven day five day rolling average five thousand people and then we shut the border down. you're misunderstanding what it is what this discussion point is. So he sort of concedes what's been reported is accurate while saying it's just internet rumors. And then he defends what's been reported because it's, it is accurate. See if you buy this defense.
8: It would be absolutely absurd for me to agree to 5,000 people a day. This bill focuses on getting us to zero illegal crossings a day. There's no amnesty. It increases the number of Border Patrol agents, increases asylum officers. It increases detention beds so we can quickly detain and then deport individuals. It ends catch and release. It focuses on additional deportation flights out. It changes our asylum process so that people get a fast asylum screening at a higher standard and then get returned back to their home country. This is not about letting 5,000 people in a day. This is the most misunderstood section of this proposal. Let me tell you briefly what it is. Uh, In the last four months, we've had seven days. In four months, we've had seven days uh, that we had less than 5,000 people. This is set up for if you have a rush of people coming at the border, the border closes down, no one gets in. This is not this is not someone standing at the border with a little clicker saying, I'm going to let one more in, we're at 4,999, and then it has to stop. It is a shutdown of the border, and everyone actually gets turned around. Okay. That's the focus that we have right now, is how do we actually intervene in this administration and turn people around, not let people in?
0: So the five thousand rolling average that then uh, gets reduced after you clear this five thousand day rolling average, uh, you know, five day rolling average. That's that's to keep people out. Is it? Well, well, that's so. So, I'm sorry. What what is this Help negotiation? <laughs> what? So first of all, I mean, let's just be um, be particular about this. The Immigration and Nationality Act. Senator, which I wish Shannon Breen would have brought up. She sort of brought it up generally, but I wish she had been specific. The Immigration and Nationality Act, coupled with the Supreme Court's recent precedent, give the president the authority to suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. You, You remember... As we mentioned discussing this, the Supreme Court upheld the quote-unquote Trump's quote-unquote Muslim ban. It wasn't a Muslim ban. It was a a halt from immigration from certain Muslim-majority countries, not all, that uh, were uh, incubators of terrorism. But regardless, that's the the law, the statutory law plus Supreme Court precedent. So what are you negotiating with Pagliacci-Schumer about and the White House? So you're telling me that we're to believe that this negotiation is moving along and you have Schumer and Biden on board with legislation that would do what you're saying when they have the power to do what you're saying this would do right now? Brain followed up on that point generally.
3: So there may be some initial measurement. You get to that rolling 5,000 in a week and then it's zero from that point on, but there is some initial measurement. Our our Bill Malugin is reporting that the number would dial back then to about 3750 a day at the border. And then once you hit that for about two weeks, the gates would open again. Uh, Can you confirm or deny that?
8: Yeah, it's not, uh, again, it's not gates opening. That's a misunderstanding of the bill itself. It's how many can we process and actually deport? When you raise the standard for people coming across, when you increase the detention beds, when you increase deportation flights, you're not letting people in. And people are thinking about how the Biden administration is running it now. Right now, the Biden administration is allowing, for instance, 1,500 people a day just to come to the ports of entry, get a work permit, and get released in the country. People coming between ports of entry get what's called a nose to appear and get released in the country. All of that stops. We're focused on how many people can we process quickly and then deport out of the country, not release into the country. It would be absolutely absurd for anyone to be able to propose something to say we're just going to slow the number of releases. We're focused on how do we actually enforce our border and get us back to zero people actually crossing the border illegally. Every administration has struggled to be able to get the authorities in place.
0: I mean, again, this, this tiered, quote-unquote, shutdown these tiered shutdown triggers that uh, Re- that Senator Lankford is talking about. So I, I, I just don't want, like any I, of them. Well, I, I don't. I don't even understand. This is to deport people. This is to stop what's happening, and yet you have these thresholds that are being met every week, and in some cases every day. There's also a uh, 8,500 migrant encounters in a single day shutdown threat threshold that's been reported which has been exceeded routinely at places like Eagle Pass and in, now in Arizona and California too.
2: But handing out work permits to the first 1,500 or something, they won the lotto? I mean, the, I don't want one person in, let alone a threshold of, you know, 1,500 get work permits, then 5,000, then we shut down at 8,700. I mean, it's it reminds me of COVID and those stupid random mitigations that they had that they put in place. Everything's random.
0: Well, the Lankford is telling the the American people, that those characterizations are wrong, that's not what's happening, that that's what's happening now, and the legislation he's negotiating
8: would cure all of this, and he addressed work permits, too. So if you come to a port of entry right now, the Biden administration's just giving a work permit the first day you walk across the border. You don't have to apply for asylum. You don't have to qualify for anything. It's literally just show up, tell us your name, and you're in the country. They're just asking, that quote-unquote, tell us in advance that you're coming. That's their only limitation on it. The second group is people apply for asylum. They don't actually qualify for asylum. They just apply for it. If they apply for it 180 days, they get a work permit. These are the folks that are driving all the blue cities crazy because they're wandering around all of these different cities on that. We end both of those to be able to make sure that the only people that are getting a work permit coming through this process are the people that have gone through a strenuous evaluation, have been evaluated, are likely to be able to end up with asylum those are the individuals because they're most likely going to stay here. That's a fraction of the people that go through the process. The vast majority of people that actually go through this process will be turned around and when deported. We are still the United States of America. We are still open to legal immigration in the process and if people are legally going through the process and they qualify and they've gone through the vetting and such, Yes, we would still continue to be able to have those work permits, but we're stopping the free work permit pass out at the border in the if you just sign up and give us your name, you'll get a work permit. Those just end.
0: So, again, if I take Langford at face value. Then that means that you believe that the White House and the Senate Majority Leader are negotiating good faith for legislation that would accomplish what you're accomplishing, what you say it would accomplish. Um, I find that very difficult to believe. What I find much easier to believe, what it much more sounds like, whether Langford is true about his intentions or not, is exactly what he suggested is an unfair accusation, which is that this is slowing down the pace of entry but not changing the system, You know, from a flood to a stream. I mean, just explain to me how the how the, the people that have been uh, promoting open borders from the outset of this administration, starting at the top with the big guy, are doing a 180. Because Jim Lankford's involved. It strains the bounds of credulity for me. Roger Southside you're on Chicago's morning answer
9: yeah, i don't I don't believe you Dan and, and you know the thing about that gets old with these people it's it's on the minute that they change one eighty okay, whether they be on, on both sides of Congress uh, Jim Langford when was the last time anybody heard this guy do anything this guy out of Oklahoma? uh no it, 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 I believe this until we are ready to uh confront, like, the cartel problem down there, okay? And like Amy said, okay, we already had the Blue Cities. The Chicago Crime Commission will tell you we probably get six, seven 700,000 illegals in the whatever our tri-state area Cook, Will, Page. I mean, this is not solving anything.
0: Thanks and I'll- for the call, Roger. Well, this is something else, too. So, uh, on the one hand, Jim Lankford is saying this which you're saying what you just heard, which again, necessarily means that there is open-mindedness to what Jim Lankford is proposing to the ends it would accomplish from the White House. And here's what Peter Ducey is reporting about the position of the White House.
4: Harris, roughly 800 border crossers got away yesterday, 800 more will get away today, 800 more will get away tomorrow. There is no known plan for them from an administration that already has a years-long backlog to adjudicate the border crossers they do catch.
0: So I'm supposed to believe the administration that fits the description you just heard from Peter Ducey is an administration that is working constructively with Oklahoma Senator Jim Langford and Mitch McConnell to end illegal crossings, get the number down to zero, as Jim Langford said. Come on. Carl in Big Cabin, Oklahoma.
9: Good morning. Hey, uh, I'm going to harken back to uh, they want to just get asylum, but not asylum. They want citizenship for these people. Back in the 80s, Reagan gave citizenship and we're going to close the border and have tight enforcement. The enforcement never happened. We had all those people that became citizens. And they're not following the law now, this administration, enforcing it, I should say. What makes you think they would enforce a new law stopping people from illegal aliens
0: from crossing the border? I'm not thanks for the call, Carl. Pass this prologue is Carl's point. It's a good one.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM five sixty.
7: is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local, family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630, and learn all about this great bank 773-467-5630 or visit them online at signaturebank.bank that's signaturebank.bank Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender
1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560 The Answer
0: Good morning, Dan and Amy. No uh, shelters in the suburbs? No migrant shelters in the suburbs? Question mark? Chicago is where they think they're going. That's where they expect to be arriving, not in Elmhurst, not in other suburbs, but in the city of Chicago. It's also where all of the services are that they need when they arrive, said one Governor Jelly Belly. So no Shelters in the suburbs, and it's not supported by Governor Jelly Belly. He's the great suburban defender. He's going to protect the suburbs from the incursion of migrants, send them all down to Chicago where they think they're going, as you said, for BLM Brandon to figure out. You know, it's funny. I'd like to believe. Spaulding, I'd like to believe him. Another sincere guy, like we were just talking about all last hour, the sincerity from inside the Beltway on border security, on war and peace. So I'd like to believe that uh, Jelly Belly is as sincere as the big guy is, Mr. 10%. But, um, but then we're reminded, thanks to the uh, State of the Village meeting in Glen Ellen that that same Governor Jelly Belly, through his emissaries like Terra Costa Howard, the ghoulish legislator who represents Glen Ellen, way to go, Glen Ellen. are um, uh, petitioning these villages with money to say, if you take in migrants, we'll give you this state cash.
2: Right. Didn't they do that in Joliet? They offered him millions and the people said, no, we don't want that. Well,
0: ultimately they they did. After after, first, the Joliet Township supervisor took it, and then under pressure, he relinquished (laughs) it. But the point is, um, hey, they belong in the city. But hey, suburbs, here's some cash if you'll take migrants. So, which is it? Is anybody going to ask Jelly Belly that? No, they're not. Here's uh, Mayor Mark Sinek, who is the uh, Village President, Mayor, Village President, Village President of Glen Ellen, at the. State of the Village forum. Well, it's most certainly an august affair. I saw the Plague yes. of Women Viper signage was there, so had to be a lot of deep thinking going on there. Uh, so he, so here's what he's saying. We got uh, this offer from Terra Costa Howard. So what do you want to do, Glen Ellen Denisons?
10: $11 million that the village can, that made available to municipalities. My question to you, what do you think we should do? So
2: there was an article just that i read in the tribune and there had been outreach to municipalities. Yep. i was just at wheaton city council meeting on monday night because they're
11: working through some mechanization around you know responses they too are chief of police in wheaton zero incidents monitoring no public resources used yep. bus drops public station people get on the train they go so Now, you
8: understand what what I
10: believe the $11 million is for is to have migrants come to Glen Ellen and locate here and settle here and remain here and what that would entail
12: to accomplish that. Go ahead again.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm sure uh, Mayor Sinek there has it right. So um, what do you want to do? He put the question to you, Glen Ellen residents. What do you want to do?
2: 312 642 5600 turnkey.pro answer line. You could also hit us up on our text line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment.
0: Sounds like a great deal to me. You get to live your values, you get to live those glen ellen values, and they're subsidized, which is also one of your values. Subsidizing the things that you believe in, other people being forced to, of course. And yeah. then they can go to
2: Hinsdale Central, Hinsdale South. Oh, the people are gonna love it.
0: Hinsdale, you know, they'll go to they'll go the to Glenbard schools. schools. They'll go to the Glenbard schools.
2: Glen Ell- okay.
0: Yeah, well. Glenbard schools. They'll go to Glenbard West and they'll do a remake of Lucas, uh, but featuring a kid from Venezuela. Fine. Great, wonderful. We'll subsidize that too. Jelly Belly will. What do you think? I mean, such an offer.
2: They should do it because Oak Park, I mean, they're kicking them out tomorrow because it's the end of the month, 31st, remember? That's when the, the Clare, Carrington Hotel, they have to be out of there. And
0: Well, we'll see. And, Maybe they'll, they'll be uh, more generous of heart and spirit like BLM Brandon and they'll extend it for another month. Let's buy some time here. But, I mean, how do you not? If you're a, a, a member of the Plague of Women Vipers in Glen Ellen, if you're on the school board at one of these uh, – high schools or grade schools there, uh, if you're a village elder. I mean, how do you not say thank you, Representative Tara Costa Howard. Uh, thank you for abortion on demand. Thank you for all of the wonderful expressions of Marxist policy you visited upon us. And now this, now we get money for it too? And we and, and the nice thing about this, as you heard from the mayor, it's not just... Uh, A Band-Aid? No, no. This is money to welcome our permanent neighbors.
2: Live your values.
0: What could be a greater tribute to the welcoming community moniker than that? Nothing. Nobody wants to jump. It's interesting. I, I didn't hear a lot of people jumping at the chance in that meeting that was posted online either. Very strange. Sort of the cognitive dissonance is just shocking to me i'm stunned um meanwhile on the other side of the aisle if you want to participate in something at the grassroots level now you're not going to get subsidized by the government to participate in this piece but you can always change your mind you know throw in with the open borders crowd um maybe you've got some rental property there get uh get um a long-term lease on that. Hmm? Anyway, the other side, we've got this uh, take-our-country-back trucker convoy that uh, departed from Virginia Beach yesterday.
2: Mm -hmm. They're heading to Eagle Pass.
0: uh, Yeah, just outside Eagle Pass. It was interesting uh, Tucker Carlson uh, talked to uh, Doc Pete Chambers, Green Beret, by the way, including a medical doctor, And he gave a little preview of uh, what's happening now and what's going to happen, the um, basis of the take our country back convoy. Um, And, and, you know, this is people living their values, too. So you have you're seeing uh, BLM Brandon live his values, Jelly Belly live his values. A lot of these suburban residents in places like Glen Ellen and Hinsdale and Western Springs not live their values. Very interesting not live their stated values. Well, Doc P. Chambers and a bunch of other Americans are going to rally outside Eagle Pass to uh, peacefully protest and to express their viewpoint and focus people's attention since it's, you know, it's, it's, there's always in danger of waning for uh, another shot of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey focus people's attention on border security. Here's Doc Chambers.
10: Now they're going to be leaving out of, on the 29th, uh virginia beach which is where the 1607 covenant the landing uh which signified the uh john smith landing in 1607 where they played planted, planted yes. a cross on the beach and said hey we, this is a covenant to this nation to god uh and and then they're going to leave from there and they're going to go down through florida they're going to cut across highway 10 through louisiana baton rouge houston into uh, dripping springs texas where i'll be working out of and then on to near eagle pass now I'm part of the advisory of this. And, and as, I, as I advise, I used to be in that same unit that's down there. That's the unit that has a streamer on it from the Alamo. It's very historic Texas unit. And so they are down there holding line. And I know those soldiers, I worked with them. I, 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 I took care of them as a doctor with uh, Operation Lone Star. They're busy. So the, the, the convoy is gonna go just a little bit shy, just a little bit to the north, really, uh, in a, in an area about 30 miles away in Kimato, Texas to a children's camp, a lady, a beautiful lady down there who has taken care of orphans and widows. You can't write this stuff in a book. I, I couldn't make this up. But she was overrun, first of all, by the COVID mandates that said, you got to shut down. You can't keep running this shelter. Number one. Number two, she was overrun by the numbers of, of volumes of uh, illegals that were coming through her neighborhood trying to get into her food pantry. And then number three, the cartels are a significant presence in that area because that is the end point of where they do the end around. So we are looking at the bright, shiny object that is Eagle Pass. That's a bright, shiny object. Looked here. The droids that you're not looking for, if you will, are just to the north, right in that location. And so what what this is going to do is it's going to bring light to it because we have to understand that there is a constitution, both state and federal, and that we have to, number one, expose those that argue things in the... The Gellian dialectics, if you will, of tort law, and look at the Constitution, which is exactly what this is a focus. On the Constitution, we the people, that's why we the people will be riding along, mama bears, cops, veterans, truckers, uh, and going to that location to bring light. There is nothing nefarious about this. There is, matter of fact, I am suggesting to them that they, that they, and they know this, they know this, that this is a peaceful demonstration. This is, this is how this will be.
0: Uh, hegelian dialectic uh, very impressive there uh, doc chambers so um so so you know when you hear um, all these people talk on all sides of these issues who comes across to you as uh, being solution oriented being principled in the direction of the rule of law and who comes across as shining you on and trying to hi-hat you with political cant. That's probably a good question to ask when you're listening to somebody explain themselves. Does this sound like somebody who's dealing on the level with me that has a, a pretty good understanding of the issue at hand? Some detailed understanding, like you just heard from Doc Chambers, for example. And, um, you know, and, and is coming from a foundation, I understand. And then there's uh, other people that you get the feeling like you're playing a rhetorical three card Monty game. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like when you listen to Jelly Belly or you listen to BLM Brandon tell you that you nobody questions his leadership. That's just that's beyond the pale. Yeah. That uh, gotta... he's busy raising a black wife and three black kids, and you know there's just other bizarre sort of statements that are not germane and generally nonsensical oh and by the way you're a bad person if you don't agree with him
2: of course uh we got a great text message mayor brandon johnson's making national news more concerned about gaza than the migrants
0: we've got to get that ceasefire resolution passed through the city council that's big
2: and then uh, yeah no uh, and they keep fighting they're gonna have another council meeting over it again tomorrow and it's just chaos over there who cares no one's why do city councils pass resolutions like that That is the dumbest, that is the waste of time. That's a great example of just spinning your wheels. Uh, We also got a text message. Dan, the movie would be called El Lucas. Yes,
0: yes, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. I mean, um, Cheech Marin could star as like, they could do like a a Lucas Benjamin Buttons mashup. (laughs) And Cheech Marin could go back in time to be El Lucas at Glenbard West. I like it. We'll, you know, uh, get we that guy's number. Out. We'll, we'll, we'll do a screenplay together. George in Naperville, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
9: Yeah, Dan. If some of these suburbs agree to let these migrants settle, do you think they can get one of those big metal signs that say, "We are a sanctuary," our sister sanctuary city is Chicago.
0: Yeah. Right. Thanks for the call, George. I I don't cry. Nobody wants to take nobody wants to be the leading light in the leafy suburbs. Boy, I mean, just color me stunned. I appreciate um, the I mean, the what uh, I think Mayor Sinek of Glen Ellen was doing was very much like what Josh McBroom did in Naperville. So here we got we got this uh, 11 million dollar offer from our state representative. Her name is Tara Costa Howard. Uh, Because I probably most of you don't even know you're just voting for uh, Marxism blindly. Um, Yeah. 11 million bucks. So um, what do people want to do? Huh? I think that was very, uh, uh, you know, couched. Um, That was, you know, baiting the uh, League of Women Voters set to uh, pony up, stand up and be counted. Come on. No. No. Yes. Let's take the money and bring in migrants to be our new neighbors. Nobody exclaiming then, mm-hmm. that as soon as the news was revealed by the mayor. What a surprise. The, the, those uh, those vipers in the in the league, the plague, that they're, they're not unwilling to take positions on issues. They support every tax increase and every government programming, government spending program and every abortion. And every expression of illiberal practices in K through 12 education, every other institution. Why so quiet on this one? There's 11 million bucks on the table on top of it.
2: Uh, Dan got another text message. Dan and Amy for the movie at Lucas should center around soccer instead of football.
0: Well, yes, right. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Work work up a treatment on that, and see if we can maybe maybe uh, maybe that eleven million dollars. If it's not going to be taken up by Glen Ellen residents to help resettle migrants, it can be used to finance our screenplay. Mm -hmm. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer, On AM five sixty. The answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560,
5: The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I'm going to get to uh, the uh, E. Jean Carroll defamation settlement. But uh, again, just to update, we're um, working up a new... uh, Treatment of Lucas in advance of uh, migrants resettling in Glenallen, thanks to the resettlement money provided by the state, courtesy of Jelly Belly Pritzker. I'm springing for the Chardonnay for all of those uh, housewives <laughs> okay. in Glenallen. Right, that's um, fair. Yeah, and so they probably um, want
2: champagne too. But okay, uh, we got a text message. Dan and Amy, stop with El Lucas. It should be called Senor Lucas.
0: No, Senior Lucas. No. no, I think I've got it. So this is going to be okay. Lucas meets Benjamin Button, and one more <laughs> meets Victor Victoria,
4: the okay. great Julie
0: Andrews. Um, so it's going to be called <laughs> Carajito Carajita, which is um, <laughs>
2: "Dime más,
0: por favor." Venezuelan slang for uh, you know for for boy and girl, Carajito mm-hmm. Carajita because. It's a story of a Venezuelan migrant that resettles in Glen Ellen, thanks to Glen Ellen residents living their values, subsidized by everybody else's money, and um, goes to Glenbard West. Right? You know, got to keep the. By the way, right. they're remaking Roadhouse right now with Jake Dylan Hall, so we can remake Lucas. I think. For, of
2: course we can, and I'm getting text messages from people, including my sister who was in the movie Lucas, who said, "If you remake it, they want in. They want to be in part of the cast."
0: Okay. All right. Well yeah. they're like they if they do
2: the gym scene or something or the soccer field scene, they could be in the stands.
0: Yeah, they can't be in the student body anymore, you know, because they've sort of aged out. Unless they okay. they unless they we have stand. the entire school Benjamin buttoned. They go from old to young. But uh yeah. They'd okay. be teachers, they could be fans, sure. Um Corey Haim is not available, so I've uh, nominated well he's not. I've nominated Cheech Marin to play at least the older Lucas. I haven't settled on a young Lucas yet, but I mean, again, this is—we're just um, roundtabling this at this point. Okay, so, um, so he gets—he goes to Glenbard West. um, He falls in love with soccer. He gets a scholarship because he's a migrant. He's a dreamer Uh, to go to U of I. So Mm -hmm. we'll we'll pay for it, no problem. And then, um, and by the way, um, your kid. Your kid in Glen Ellen with the uh, you know goes to Bird West with the 34 ACT and uh, the 4.0, who's uh, on band and in drama and is a two sport uh, letterman. Uh, he's not getting into U of I. Just just FYI. So that'll be. Well, you got to give of, up your spot. Well, yeah. one of one of Lucas's friends will be like that's a composite of one of Lucas's friends, just so I can get that I can shoehorn that other ancillary issue in there. Okay, so then, uh, all right. So then he gets a scholarship. Then um, he is uh, essentially poisoned by the West, and he uh, says, "I'm a girl now, and I want to play in the girls' team." So then he goes and plays on the girls' team on a scholarship at U of I. But then he says, "You know, it's time. I want to have a family." So then he has a butt baby, <laughs> uh, and, um, and
2: you. You're forgetting something. Who is yeah. his, Who plays the grandpa? Edward James Olmos.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got to okay. be in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's a, boy, that's a real downgrade from his, uh, his more recent appearance in the Mayans. But okay, sure. He's got range. Mm-hmm. Edward James Olmos. Okay. And I won't even mention.
2: Don't, 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 don't. I won't even mention. Don't. Well, don't, you could, just don't. You
0: could be he's Grandpa's love he's... interest in this. So you could get another <laughs> Jacobson in the movie. Stop. It. You've got. You've got a. You know, Hollywood I be the credit.
2: Director. <sighs>
0: yeah. Um, so I'm so, so that. So then after he has the butt baby down in yes, Champagne. Gonna go what um, are we going to
2: name the butt baby? Jaime. Oh,
0: um, oh. oh by the way, Lord. I had this in reverse order too, because he, because he's Benjamin Button. So, I mean, again, this is why you got to you think through these things. Um, so, I'm I'm actually going in reverse. It should be start at old, and then we're working all the way back. All right. So oh. he has. So he, yeah. So he has the yeah. You know, right, so then I've got to I got to figure out what happens after he has the butt baby and champagne, and then what, and then and then then I, we got to work it all the way back to see. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, again, this is taking shape in real time, so you're going to have to bear with us a bit. Yeah.
4: I think some we've work got, in progress.
0: Yeah, I think we've got some good outlines here though. Um mm-hmm. all right. Well, we'll take we'll take more suggestions on this, but please try to try to keep the integrity of the the germ of an idea we have here so that we can get this done and um uh you know, to a production house post haste. Uh all right. Um uh, speaking of uh, manufactured dramas, I don't know. Um, You buying this uh, E. Jean Carroll uh, settlement and, uh, you know, the jury has spoken and we know when uh, juries speak, we're supposed to respect the verdicts, not supposed to question the verdicts. That certainly was Nikki Haley's posture on Meet the Press over the weekend.
3: Do you not trust the jury and their findings, Ambassador? I absolutely trust the jury and I think that they made what?
11: their decision based on the evidence. I just don't think that should take him off the ballot. I think the American people will take him off the ballot. I think that's the best way to go forward is not let him play the victim, let him play the loser. That's what we want him to do at the end of the day.
0: Hmm.
2: Oh, now I now I now I despise Nikki Haley. I did not hear that until today, just now. She's uh, evidence there was no exculpatory evidence allowed in the trial. She, they 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 tried to get the Gene Carroll interview on CNN where she's flirting with, you know, Anderson Cooper, talking that rape is sexy. They wouldn't allow that. There's so much evidence that they wouldn't allow her sick, disgusting text messages on, or social media posts where she's sexually deviant that are so gross I can't even read on the air. Is Nikki mm-hmm. Haley? Did she fall on her head? I mean, this woman is an op- opportunistic. She she can't even remember the day, the month, the season, the year, the incident happened. Um, her this whole thing is being financed by Reed Hoffman. You know, we all know who he is. LinkedIn, um, but LinkedIn, but, right?
0: Okay, but I mean that's separate and distinct. Although, I mean it's 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 relevant. It's not relevant to the trial. It is relevant to the politics of it, though. Um, uh, the Trump legal team, of course, go on is going. The Trump legal team is going to appeal this. Um one of the uh, issues is the judge, the presiding judge potentially had a conflict of interest um, that uh, Lewis Kaplan, the judge had mentored Eugene Carroll's lawyer Roberta Kaplan in the 1990s. They they're not related, but he still they had a professional relationship of some sort. Oh. So that potentially is Uh, a problem i would say it was never disclosed it should have been that's number one um number two um here's what Jean carroll had to say she went on yesterday to um that show that oprah's best friend got for being oprah's best friend on cbs
2: oh gail kings yeah that's her
0: yeah um Jean carroll on on um on you know all that transpired and and what she's going to do now with this $83 million that she's not going to see. But go, but go on. You can spend it in theory.
11: Hans Christian Andersen's great fairy tale, The Emperor Has No Clothes, that is written about Donald Trump. It's just we're the ones who clothe him in all this power. Mm. He has none himself. It's his followers. It's his hangers-on. In the court, they were strutting back and forth and handing him messages. It was, right, Robbie?
8: Ms. Ms. Kerr, you say is nothing. You say the emperor has no clothes. The emperor is trying to run for president again. And And right now
12: is leading. And
8: right now the polls suggest Uh. it's a coin flip. It's very close. Um, Have you heard from Joe Biden's campaign arm about potentially campaigning against the former president, Donald Trump? No. Are you interested in doing so?
11: Do anything I can. Yeah,
0: I bet you would.
2: Oh, yeah, go do it because you're bat blank crazy. And I did say this yesterday. She reminds me so much of Christine Blase Ford because they're both in the same cray-cray-cuckoo camp.
0: Well, um, apparently she texted with Tara Reid, the woman who accused President Joe Biden of sexual assault during the Me Too movement and was dutifully ignored because you're only supposed to believe women who comport with your politics on the left. Um, Yeah, so Tara and Jean Carroll we in communication. Apparently, this is Tara Reed's reporting of it. Um, sc- she posted screenshots of September 2021 direct messages with Carol in which Jean Carol allegedly said, Tara, I tweeted about Dr. Ford because of doc- because of Brett Kavanaugh's blowtorching of Roe v. Wade. Someday you and I must have tea together. <sighs> Uh, Tara, Tara, you're a strong, valiant, feisty woman. The haters are swarming us all today. I'm just staying off Twitter, ignoring it. Reed responded, you tweeted your support for Dr. Ford. That's why I asked you. It's hard, and I do not always feel strong, but rather isolated. Thank you, and have a good night. Um, Tara Reed telling um, the Daily Signal, the Heritage Foundation publication, the statement speaks for itself. It sounds like she was supporting the political cause, not the alleged victim. Huh. So I mean, could she be uh, advancing the political flag of her choice again here? Well, I I I texted my support for Blaise Ford because Brett Kavanaugh disagrees with me on abortion. So is that the same thing as believing her story? Is, is oh. should should we believe Jean Carroll's story because a uh, a a majority? Of Manhattanites in a, in two civil trials, concluded what they concluded about an incident where there are no witnesses, there is no surveillance video, no there witnesses. are all sorts of questions regarding the, and I know that's because this is thirty years ago and so forth. There is all sorts of questions regarding her recollection of events, their inconsistencies in statements she made. It, it, it's not possible that um, a majority of Manhattanites, on a jury decided this was an opportunity to stick it to Trump, both at the uh, civil trial determining that uh, he was guilty of uh, sexual abuse, not yeah, rape. not
2: sexual assault, and this is not criminal. People have to remember that I've been s- yes. straightening people out. this civil, is a civil matter
0: civil trial, majority preponderance of the evidence, not reasonable doubt standard exactly, and then of course the absurd 83 million dollar defamation. A judgment because he called her a liar? Well, he obviously disagrees that she's not telling the truth. So what do you term a person like that? She's made herself a public figure. So um, I would think the actual malice standard would apply. And, I mean, that's just an absurd decision. Of course he should appeal it.
2: I just despise women like Christine Blase Ford and this E. Jean Carroll person. They, Trump never. He even said, "I've never met her," and I believe him. And Brett Kavanaugh never touched that. Never met her. These are women who are being taken over by the left to try and bring down a political candidate. And it's disgusting. I mean, E Jean Carroll, Dan, she had a cat named Vagina.
0: Well, that, I, mean, I mean, she okay, but that what does that mean? What does that? I'm mean? I'm just That's saying that they
2: they were able to irrelevant. a normal a normal woman. They would not be able to commandeer and say, "Okay, you're this is what you're going to do. You're going to." You're going to go after Mm, him, and that's what you're going to say you
0: did. That's what I think. Jane and Rockford. Jane and Rockford.
6: Hi, Dan and Amy. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I just wanted to say that this is a disgrace. Um, I, at the age of 22, was a victim of rape. I'm now 59 years old, and I could recount to you every Mm sordid detail of that event. So the fact that this jury, this judge, you know, believes that this woman... You know, or, or or did what they did? I guess is just absurd. It's a disgrace, and I, I just can't even believe it. I, it's it's just unbelievable to me. And they they do they they really degrade those of us who are true victims of that mm-hmm. crime. And anyway, I just wanted to add that to it.
0: Thank you, Jane. Appreciate that. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Prof and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The answer.
0: And uh, now it's time for in depth history with Frank from Arlington Heights because there's nothing new in this world, just the history we don't know. Frank from Arlington Heights, take it away. Good
9: morning. There has been much gnashing of teeth lately over whether Michelle Obama is going to replace Joe Biden as a Democratic nominee. Unlikely as this is, there have been many of these quasi-royalist schemes pervading American politics throughout our history. We had the Adamses and the Bushes succeed in presidential dynasties. Thankfully, Hillary failed. We've had many senatorial dynasties, too, like the Kennedys, Cabot Lodges, the Byes of Indiana, and the Murkowskis. One early 20th century twist on this was having a widow succeed her husband as an appointee until a male successor could be groomed to take the role. Used mostly in the South, the most famous of these was Hattie Caraway of Arkansas, who decided that she didn't want to be just a placeholder appointee and successfully ran for the Senate in 1932 in her own right and won with the help of Senator Huey Long, who ironically had his wife, Rose, succeed him as an appointee after his assassination in 1935. The most interesting of all these, though, would have to be the case of Lurleen Wallace of Alabama, who was elected governor in 1966 after her husband, George, was term-limited out of office. Interestingly, during the campaign, she openly admitted that Alabamans would get her husband's leadership with her serving as a surrogate. Can't see this happening today with Michelle and Barack. Tragically, Lurleen died of uterine cancer in May 1968 after a long struggle with it, while while, um, George still found time. To run for president under the American Independent Party label in 1968. It wasn't until later that he confessed to the error of his segregationist views.
0: Interesting. Of course, we've got a couple others more recently too, like uh, Carnahan in Missouri, right? When, when uh, Senator Carnahan died in a, didn't he die in, did he die in a plane crash? Yeah, Wallstone so.
9: died in a plane crash in 2002 oh. and then Carnahan well, but, had a plane crash against Ashcroft in 2000, correct?
0: Right, but Wellstone's wife didn't succeed him. Carnahan's wife correct. did, right? right. And right. then, yeah. and that gave us, and that uh, was a gateway drug to Claire McCaskill, uh, which was a disaster. I believe. Yeah. Well, we
9: had Jim Talent there first. I think he won. Oh yeah, that's right. The election against Carnahan, and then it was that's
0: right. Um, then McCaskill.
9: it was yeah, McCaskill.
0: McCaskill. Yeah.
9: Fortunately, now we have Josh Hawley out of there. So.
0: Uh, and uh, so, if uh, Frank am I to understand from your. Uh, uh, commentary that with a historical perspective, don't expect Michelle Obama to replace Joe Biden.
9: Well, like you said many times in your show over this, I don't see how she's going to do it. Joe's going to have a say she's in it. Not. And, and it's, it's you know, she's not going to run. What well, are they going to do Just appoint somebody? That, that'll that look horrible. Hubert Humphrey didn't win in 1968 either when he was essentially appointed, you know, at the at the end there. I mean, he didn't have all the delegates. So I think Kennedy had more delegates than him. And, of course, Kennedy had been assassinated. So it's that's a mess. It doesn't look very Democratic for the Democratic Party, the one sending democracy.
0: Very so, good. Very good,
1: Frank. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer.
5: Insert Democrat Socialist here.
2: Runs the Democratic House law for 30-plus years running. He's promising this and he's stealing that. Where can you get that kind of money? He's using your house like his own piggy bank. Gank, 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 gank. You ought to know by now. You can pay off your house
0: here in
6: Illinois, but you can never keep up with the taxes. Oh, how it's always been the plan to have a taxpayer pay, no doubt. Not a matter of if anymore, but when
11: you're moving out. I said, when you're moving out. Top of the morning,
0: Dan and Amy. Uh, All right. So I've got more on this this, uh, remake of Lucas that we're working on with your help, uh, you and the listening audience. The uh, working title is Carajito Carajita <laughs> and it's about a, a Venezuelan migrant that right. moves to Glen Ellen, gets set up thanks to Pritzker subsidizing the resettlement and Glen Ellen being a welcoming community. But it's it is Victor Victoria meets. Benjamin Button meets Lucas and now I've got another wrinkle meets what? meets like um, like Chucky like child's <laughs> oh, now we're play make a horror film well not quite I don't know about that. there's a there's an aspect to it so, so but I mean but we're doing this in reverse order because it really we should go from old to young but we're going from young to old it's just easier to concept conceptualize for me at least. But, so, uh, so yeah. again, the, the the plot is: so then he's, he's there, then he plays soccer at uh, Glenbard West, and uh, he gets a college scholarship to U of I, mm-hmm.
2: um,
0: and then realizes that he's a woman, mm-hmm. wants to be a woman. Then um, he has a he goes to Champaign, where he has a butt baby. Yep, and this is where I am going to include this this new wrinkle. So then the um, the butt baby comes to life. Oh boy, I, I don't know how yet, but the butt and baby the comes butt baby, to life. His name is Chucky. Well, it doesn't have to be Chucky, no, Cause, <laughs> cause the So the butt baby comes to life. This is a complicated plot. You're gonna have to follow. It. This is like going to be like Inception. Um, the butt baby comes to life. And then he becomes the Charlie Sheehan character in the original Lucas, like the the jock bully guy.
2: Oh, I and see. Are you coming full circle?
0: Yeah. But then, but then, since since Lucas, Carajito, um, Carajita, uh, since he is um, declining in age, while his butt baby is advancing in age. They meet at school and become rivals. So there's oh. a little bit of a back to the future thing, too. You see, boy, there's a lot here. Oof. We're going to have to distill this. So they become they become rivals. And then there's like a little musical component to it. And that's the Victor Victoria piece. It's a little like West Side Story. But it's the butt baby <laughs> coming back to be a, the high school rival of his fa- mother, father, mother, mother father. Cause, parent
2: cause, birthing parent Dan yeah okay? exactly so that's right
0: <laughs> so does that yeah I mean I I mean some things have to get ironed out there, okay okay,
2: but I, we got a great text message that if all we right. just went with the one theme that if you're doing a Benjamin Button type movie when it gets all the way past childhood to the womb, why don't you show him getting aborted? that fits in with all the other oh ideas. then the,
0: then the movie can end then it was like whole, the whole that's thing how you, was, end the movie. The whole thing was a dream sequence uh, because it never happened. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's oh, that's interesting. That's a uh. very interesting ending to the movie. All right, I'm going to have to take some time off to uh, put put all these pieces <laughs> together. I think, okay. uh, but in the meantime, I mean, maybe you know, I don't know. Ted is more of a you know right brain guy. He's not uh, the creative type like me. You know, he's a data guy. He's a finance guy. But maybe he's got an Tech idea guy. here. Yeah, he's an engineer, right, the engineering mind. Um, he's not an artist like I am. Uh, Ted Dabrowski <laughs> is the president of WirePoints, wirepoints.org, all things Illinois policy-related. Ted, thanks for joining us, as always. Appreciate good it. Morning, good,
12: morning, uh, good morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning, Dan.
0: Good morning, Hey, hey did just, you...
12: just to clarify one thing, I'm I'm not an engineer. I, I went to Georgia Tech. I didn't finish engineering, but I tried.
0: Well, it's the, the oh, mind, though. Oh, so you, communications. Yeah. <laughs> No, right. So, but I mean, I mean, I, I don't. You know, maybe you've got a little bit of a left brain in you. I mean, did you, did you have anything you wanted to add to the screenplay we're working up?
12: Yeah, I, I I think I'll let you guys dominate. Okay, all right. I'm (laughs) pretty weak on it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Good choice. Um, What about on the underlying policy? I'm, I'm a bit confused. We were talking about it earlier. On the one hand, uh, Governor Pritzker is saying that. uh you know Chicago is where they think they're going that's where the services they need are, so there's no reason to have shelters or uh, resettlement in the suburbs. On the other hand, he's dispatching state representatives like Terra Costa Howard to Glenallen to say, "Hey, look, village officials, the governor's got eleven million bucks of somebody else's money that I can give you if you want to resettle migrants so which is it
12: yeah I, I think you know what, what he wants seen in public is that he's you know trying to keep people out of the out of the suburbs and in Chicago, but uh, what he's really working on is trying to find places for these uh, these people to go. And of course, at the same time, Brandon's saying, "Hey, you know, Pitcher can build these uh, tent sites wherever he wants in the state." So, uh, you know, Johnson's pushing them out of Chicago. So it's a, you know, it's it's a welcoming city.
0: Well, and the other thing too, by the like way, going on. I mean, since this is going on in a lot of big cities around the country in metropolitan areas in boston the combination of the uh leftist governor there and the leftist mayor who hails from barrington in boston they're uh doing a first in the nation pilot program for long-term resettlement of migrants in and around boston so that's that's actually happening somewhere so the idea that this is all just uh, you know worst case scenario and and you know the typical sort of fear porn from the right about uh this uh constant flow of migrants it's not. You see other politicians similarly disposed in other big cities doing exactly what we're describing.
12: Yeah, everybody's trying to figure it out, right? And, and a lot of that has to be with the money. And that's something we're working on right now. Hopefully we'll get something out tomorrow. It's, you know, who's going to spend all this money? Who, who's got the money? Who's going to be on, on the hook for, for taking care of migrants over over uh, ordinary residents? And that's, I think, a big part of it. You know, Johnson would love to not spend another penny so he stops getting yelled at. Um, so... You know, but it's, it's interesting. We're finally starting to tabulate all these costs. And uh, we've been working, trying to get the numbers. It's really hard, as you can imagine, from the government. But uh, I think we're looking at over $2 billion or right around $2 billion since, uh, since like 2021 uh, of money being spent, not just on, not just on the asylees, like the 35000 or the quote asylees, but also on all the Medicaid for a lot of the migrants who have been coming in um, in the last three years. And so when you start adding it all up, you're talking about nearly two billion dollars, and and that's and that's kind of a, the conservative estimate because there's all kinds of other money being spent on, um, you know, on right. education and stuff like that.
2: Well, and also on food. I mean, Steve Cortez tweeted yesterday: if you're stressed about your grocery bills, which many of us are, consider Chicago just awarded contracts to two firms for over one hundred million of taxpayer money. So Buena Beef has got a forty-five million dollar contract, and then Hyde Park-based 14 Parish received 57 million dollars i mean eventually we're gonna run out of money i mean i don't know where we're getting all of this from
12: well we, we won't run out of it we'll just keep you know we'll keep spending it and we'll raise taxes later but no i mean this i think i mentioned this last week but you know if you open up these this money that they're handing out and you start to see the number of grants that are going everywhere it's again it's it's, it's the funny money that goes around and, and buys votes and stuff like that of course some of it makes it to the migrants for sure uh, but there's a lot of people enriching themselves. I'm, I'm looking at one grant of $17 million that goes to, like, 40 different organizations. And do uh, you think there's any accountability for that in Illinois? Heck no. Uh,
0: Justin Slaughter is a representative from Chicago. He was the um, lead sponsor of the Pritzker Purge Law, so-called Safety Act. And, you know, by the way, uh, we're getting close, I think, to um, enough time being passed that we can take stock of – the impact of the safety act i i don't have a, a complete handle on it but i know this is something that uh, you're looking at and i'm looking at too i mean one of the things we do know is that the appellate courts are being overwhelmed by the number of appeals f- uh, for a pre-trial release that are uh, coming up from district courts we know that but something else so we that, know that in- uh, yeah go ahead I'm sorry. I'm sorry no go ahead ted
12: yeah so so yeah, we're having a huge number of appeals. In other words, what's happening is, is that you you're having some judges trying to detain people for, for the crimes they've committed, and guess what? Um, you've got the pressure coming from the system, which is undoubtedly what it is. pressure saying, no, you can't hold these people." Uh, and of course, the, the courts are being overwhelmed with the number of appeals. Uh, there's about uh, uh, what was it 1300 appeals just in the last four month, three months, four months. Uh, which is a big number, and it's overwhelming the courts. And so the Supreme Court's going to step in and, and look at it. But uh, what it tells you is, is that judges are making a decision. And, of course, there should, should always be appeals, and, and right? It, it should always be. Yes, a, a good it's,
0: answer, it's a appealable. Place. Right, it's appealable. But the question then becomes, you know, where is the data, like the series that CWB Chicago has been doing for the last several days, several years, excuse me, that uh, indicates the people that were question marks in terms of, pre-trial release they are charged with a felony uh, or and a violent felony and then how many of those individuals who would have been held over pre-safety act but were not held over for trial went on to commit other crimes how many victims uh, could have been uh, you know how many uh, victims could have been pre- prevented if uh, we were not operating under this no cash bail pritzker purge law that that's the sort of data that we have to get to right yeah and it's
12: really hard and you know, and you've got the opposite side of that is you know how many people uh that would have you know had had bail put on them been been out right been out but but with you know substantial bail where they behave and you got family forcing them to behave whoever whoever bails that person out so those people uh if you have a if you have a weak judge and the weak judge is saying, well you know you know, I'd like to hold him, but but I can't now. And so out they go and there's no bail and the, the guy's out doing whatever he does. And, you know, we see this, uh, we saw this the other day, a, a judge said that, um, you know, this crime that was committed, I would have put the person on bail, uh, but I can't. And so I'm going to hold that person. Uh, of course, then you get the appeal. And so you're going to get pressure from the system to, to, you know, unwind uh, those, those decisions by judges. We'll see where it goes, uh, but we'd love to have that data. We're going to have to work hard to, to figure out and, it's pretty messy data as well.
0: Well, here's, so here's the new uh, representative slaughter legislation that I want to get to. And I'll tell you what, i got to tell you, as somebody who's gotten a lot of speeding tickets, I'm really of two minds on this one, but I'll get your view on it. Uh, no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for failing to display registration plates or stickers, uh, being operated with an expired registration sticker, violating general speed restrictions, unless the violation is a misdemeanor or felony improper lane usage, unless it's a misdemeanor or felony failing to comply with requirements concerning vehicle lamps, excessive tint, defective mirrors, an obstructed windshield, defective bumpers, excessive exhaust or failure of the vehicle operator to wear a safety belt. Uh, oh no God. evidence, uh, discovered or obtained as a result of a stop and violation of these provisions. um, shall be admissible in any trial hearing or other proceeding preempts home rule powers. So you're eliminating traffic violations this is the short version of it, but I wanted to give you all the examples included in the legislation. Eliminating traffic violations so you can eliminate traffic stops.
12: Yeah, well, just, just a story. I, I'm, I'm also worried about that law because uh, a couple months ago I was in Chicago, parked my car, and a CTA took my whole front of my car off. And uh, they haven't they haven't given me the money to repair. So I'm driving around without a front end. um, So I might get stopped. But no, I I think, you know, I, I, again, that's one of those things where, yeah, you may, you may have a, a a legitimate stop, a legitimate bad guys there. (laughs) You you know who that person is and yet you can't use the evidence. And I think of course that just weakens law enforcement in Illinois. Granted, granted it it helps probably on some cases where there might be some, uh, some uh, targeting, but, but nevertheless, you're doing one more thing, and if you just if we just add up all the different things that weaken law enforcement and weaken weaken policing, there's there's another one right there.
0: Targeting, yeah, I yeah, I'd love to say I'd like I'd like to hear the case about targeting because I will put the number of speeding tickets I've gotten in the Chicagoland area up against just about anybody, uh, and of course yeah. the reason yeah. I've gotten those tickets is because I was speeding, but um, but that's not the point. Um, the you know, the point is that. You know, this is like uh, the, the, the the moving violation equivalent of the thousand dollars, thousand dollar retail theft threshold that we're not prosecuting retail theft under a thousand dollars. So so you want I mean, look, I, I I'm I, you know, I, I, I drive fast and but I'm a good driver and I don't want to be around. People who are pacing and these people don't know how to drive and it's a mess. And the Dan Ryan is already um You know, basically, uh, uh, yeah, Fury Road. But I mean, you, 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 you. So I mean, that that just just the general lawlessness, right? And it's the whole like people who play by the rules versus everybody else. So you know, you get hit with a couple hundred bucks for your, uh, your your registration, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you maintain your property for safety reasons, among other things, for other drivers. So if your car's in disrepair, just ask the Willis children. The Willis family and what happened to the Willis children with a faulty tire, I mean, a faulty trailer assembly. Right. I mean, so there, there's there's there are legitimate interest, even if the roads were private in the libertarian world for a private operator or the government operator to require certain things about your use of the property uh, and, you know, and have certain safety protocols in effect. Fine. I accept that. Um, this is just it's like because there are some people who won't and don't, then you just uh, eliminate all the provisions, whether they make sense or not. The the making sense of it doesn't even matter. It's just these people who are my constituents and who don't play by the rules are being penalized for not playing by the rules, and so we're just going to eliminate the rules for everybody, but mainly for them.
12: Yeah, so a a one-size-fits-all that weakens... Weakens uh, enforcement. And we're seeing that, you know, at at the car chases, at the foot chases, limit stops. uh, It it goes on and on. And so unsurprisingly, we've got this this situation where people are people are scared. Right. And it's it's just one more one more thing to add to the to the mess.
0: Ted Jabrowski, president of Wirepoints, wirepoints Wirepoints.org, all things Illinois policy related. Thanks, as always, Ted. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you, guys thank you and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer
1: line. It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM 560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests and only the biggest opinions. This is AM 560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh we've been talking about this, you know, Trying to understand why things are proceeding as they are. Over the last 15 years, the left's position has been, with respect to Iran, glide path to nuclearization, cash for hostages, refusal to impose sanctions. That was Joe Obama terms one and two and now carried over into term three. And we have the product of that. Most recently, of course, these three servicemen that were killed in that drone strike, dozens of others injured over the weekend. So how does that make sense? How does that get us to a place of more peace and more stability in the Middle East? And if it doesn't, and if it's also politically unpopular, then is there some other motivation that we're not seeing? The same goes for the border. Is there some other motivation? Is there some other... Angle that we're not seeing That helps make this make sense Because Biden May be dead from the neck up But not everybody in that administration Is, not everybody in that Congress Is, there are people that have Their wits about them Maybe they just have different ends Than they're stating Publicly So on the border Meet Amy Pope She's the director of the International Office on Migration for the U.N. She's also a former senior advisor on migration to Joe Biden. They leveled her up to the world government. Oh, really?
3: Hello from New York. I'm here representing IOM on our delegation to the 78th United Nations General Assembly High Level Week. Over the next five days, I will meet with fellow world leaders gathered here to address a wide array of global challenges. At IOM, we're focused on the challenges and the opportunities of human mobility. We'll be working with our member states, the private sector, and other partners to help stakeholders around the world harness the power of migration. We're developing bold, proactive solutions to build resilience in vulnerable communities against climate change, conflict and other drivers of migration. We envision a world where fewer people are forced to migrate. And for those who do migrate, we're working to expand legal pathways to make sure all stakeholders reap the full benefits of migration, the countries of destination, the countries of origin, and of course, the migrants themselves.
0: If I could uh, translate that newspeak into English, what I'm hearing is we're working to build a world where the West subsidizes the developing world. Think of the Biden approach to the Northern Triangle countries in this hemisphere and uh, in connection with that, a world of open borders. We're going to subsidize the developing world if you want to stay and we're going to open our borders if you want to come. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by Representative Jim Banks. He's representative for Indiana's third congressional district, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Indiana this cycle in November. Representative Banks, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
13: Hey, good morning. Good to be with you.
0: I, I mean, do do I have that sussed out uh, right in your mind in terms of what the, the larger – sort of ideology is in play here coming from this administration and radiating out to world government organizations like the U.N.?
13: Uh, I think you're exactly right. But uh, what, what's, uh, what's obvious to all of us is that this is this is completely intentional. Joe Biden opened the border with a stroke of a pen. He could he could close it and secure the border today. Right. Again, with a stroke of a pen, he refuses mm-hmm. to do that because this is intentional. This is a part of their agenda: open borders, flood the country with future Democrat voters, and uh, and and build that uh, global uh, global economy. The globalist view of the of the elite Demo- elitist Democrats. So I, th- I think you've said it quite well.
0: And so then then explain Senator Jim Lankford and this effort afoot among some Senate Republicans, including him to uh, cobble together this deal with the White House and Senate Majority Leader Schumer, where Lankford is suggesting, as he was over the weekend, that this actually gets us to more border security, that the the goal here is no illegal migrant crossing into this country. Well, how can that be, and why is it necessary if, as you say, it could be done with the stroke of a pen by the president?
13: Yeah, I I can't speak to Senator Lankford's motivations, obviously this is very misguided, uh, his, his negotiations, some of the, the, the establishment uh, Republican uh, negotiations with the White House and with the Democrats to continue the failed policies of this administration. I can't, I can't explain it, but what I can tell you is that House Republicans are fully against it. And Speaker Mike Johnson has said this uh, bad deal coming out of the Senate, if it does pass out of the Senate, is dead on arrival in the House, anything short of H.R. 2, which is our very strong uh, securing the border bill that we passed early in this term, anything short of that uh, will not pass out of the House uh, on, on Republicans' watch. We have a two-seat Republican majority, and we aren't unified about very much uh, in this majority, but we are unified on this. Anything short of H.R. 2 uh, will not pass out of the House. No, what,
0: what's- we had... Oh go on Dan. What what's 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 the uh the next step with Mayorkas? I mean I'm sorry beyond Mayorkas. So you moved to uh, impeach Majorcus. What 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 is this a path to? It can't it can't be ending with Mayorkas. In point of fact, other Andy McCarthy and others, I think, have persuasively argued that um that Joe Biden should be brought up uh on articles of impeachment uh as much for his border policy as for his, uh, you know, participation in this uh, corrupt uh, racket that his son was riding point on.
13: Yeah, I, I, I agree. This week, uh, Chairman Mark Green of the Homeland Security Committee has marked up the, the impeachment uh, articles against Secretary Mayorkas, and uh, that will will quickly come to the floor. Again, two-seat Republican majority. There are a couple of squishy Republicans in our majority, who we're not quite, we're not sure yet if they will vote to impeach Mayorkas. I hope they do, and I hope the voters in their districts let them know that uh, that 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 won't that won't go well for them in the next election. Uh, but it's important that we do hold them accountable. But you're, you're you're hitting on something that's far more important. At the end of the day, the buck stops with President Joe Biden, and he deserves to be impeached for. Uh, These these open border policies that defy the rule of law in this country and that will forever change this country and not for the better. So aside from the the uh, the corruption with Hunter Biden and the Biden family cartel, uh, the open border policies of this administration, in in my view, I agree with those who you mentioned uh, deserve impeachment uh, just for that alone.
2: Well, all right. Let's talk about what happened. You know, the three U.S. troops killed by the drone attacks at Tower 22 on the border of Jordan and Syria. Biden says we will do something. What What is that something, and what should that something be?
13: Well, it, it, it's unclear with this administration. Uh, the, the The unseriousness of this administration from the very beginning and wanting to uh, wanting to pass another, uh, sign another. Uh, Iran nuclear deal to appease the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. We, when we give money to Iran, we know that money is is blowing to Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis and others who are responsible for the attack on Americans like the three heroes who were killed over the weekend. But it's, it's unclear. This administration, uh, they should have swiftly reacted and held those accountable for killing our troops immediately accountable by by. Uh, by attacking them in response to show the, to not just show the Houthis, Iran uh, that we're serious, but to show the rest of the world that if you attack America and our troops, you will be held accountable for it. And instead, the the weakness that emanates from this administration every single day will continue to attract this type of aggression, these types of attacks, in a larger way. Joe, Joe Biden is the weakest commander in chief that we've ever had in american history and our enemies know it that's why china is inching toward taking over taiwan that's why russia invaded ukraine Um, that's why north korea is firing and testing uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles again and it's why iran is acting out on the world stage uh, in a large way too so we've got it we've got to boot him from the white house and restore a strong commander-in-chief who 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 is serious that understands peace through strength it will deter our enemies rather than attract them and that That's not going to happen for a year. But in the meantime, support for Congress to put pressure on this administration to hold those accountable. There should be hell to pay for those who kill American troops. And right now it's unclear uh, that that's going to happen.
0: He is Representative Jim Banks, a congressman for Indiana's third. He is also the Republican candidate for Senate in November in that state to replace uh, retiring Mike Braun, who is running for governor, if you're uh, – checking your scorecards you score. at home. <laughs> uh, Representative Banks, thanks so much for joining us again. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank
2: you. And he joined us on our Pro answer line.
1: The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560,
0: The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Oh I mean, God. I just have to get this in. California okay. Governor Patrick Bateman had an orgasm uh, while discussing Joe Biden's candidacy on MSNBC. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Who in their
1: mind would want to run uh, when you have someone of such esteem as oh our God. incumbent president of okay. the United States <laughs> with a record of accomplishments and a man of character, a man of decency. I'm old school. <laughs> yeah. Talk about loyalty. I'll, I'll
0: go to ends of the earth for this guy. I really would.
2: Okay. Decency,
0: yeah. All right. Reed. Towel off. We got we to gotta spill over the I mean, the... It's just, he's so
2: arrogant guy. and smug. He's he's worse than Pritzker. Emma. I can't stand this guy.
0: I I, I, lie, I lie. He is just so over the top. I mean, it is it's just drama. like... It, it, no, no, no. If you oh, believe, yeah. like, I can sell you anything. I, yeah. I can sell you anything, you moron. That's what Gavin Newsom is. That's how he talks to... That's how he, that's what he thinks about you, which is why he talks the way that he talks. I mean, he's, he is such a bootlicking, oleaginous cipher, but it is great. I love it. Those statements he makes about Biden. I mean, those are statements he's making about this guy. But the truth
5: is, I wouldn't be here without the Democratic voters of South Carolina, and that's a fact.
0: South what? (laughs) So I want to start with a Uh, Joe Biden talking about (laughs) economics, this dizzying intellect in the White House.
12: Greedflation. Shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bars? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers.
2: And then he gets angry and yells. "Ah!" Or he whispers.
0: Love it. Love Gavin Newsom. Patrick Bateman. If you haven't seen uh, American Psycho. You really need to, and you'll appreciate my (laughs) characterization of Gavin Newsom that much more. It's news, opinion,
1: insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
5: Sports and politics and sports and politics and intersection.
0: Arrogance
5: and ignorance. Arrogance, ignorance and arrogance and ignorance. Intersection.
0: Top of the morning. I jumped the gun there. I'm so excited for this sports and politics installment because it uh, takes us to the world of surfing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Surfing. Bethany Hamilton is a uh, world-class female surfer. And she is a bit confused and concerned about uh, what the World Surfing League has done, which is to, say it with me, allow men to compete against women in surfing. Uh, Here's Bethany Hamilton speaking out, and then I'll tell you what happened to Bethany Hamilton after she did.
14: ...news that the World Surf League has officially made the rule that male-bodied individuals known as transgender athletes can officially compete in the women's division. The World Surf League says they are following the Olympic guidelines. While I address this issue, I want to be clear that I strive to have love for all of mankind, regardless of any differences. But this concerns me as a professional athlete that has been competing in the World Surf League events for the past 15 plus years and I feel that I must speak up and stand up for those in position that may feel that they cannot say something about this. I think many of the girls currently on tour are not in support with this new rule and they fear being ostracized if they speak up. So here I go. Questions I have that I want to consider with you. How is this rule playing out in other sports like swimming running mma have any of the current surfers in the world surf league been asked what their thoughts opinion and opinions are on this new rule before it was passed or announced should there be a conversation with the 17 women and all of the men on tour prior to a rule change such as this Is a hormone level an honest and accurate depiction that someone indeed is a male or female? Is it as simple as this? Who is pushing for this huge change? Does this better the sport of surfing? Is this better for the women in surfing? If so, how? How did whoever decided these hormone rules come to the conclusion that 12 months of testing testosterone make it a fair and legal switch? Why is the WSL's statement um, about trans women competing with, with women and yet there's no mention of converted women competing with men? I personally think that the best solution would be to create a different division so that all can have a fair opportunity to showcase showcase their passion and talent. And I think it's really hard to imagine the future of women's what the future of women's surfing will be like in 15 to 20 years down the road if we move forward um, allowing this major change. But we are seeing glimpses of male-bodied dominance in women's sports like running, swimming, and others. My hope is that if I ever have a daughter who is competing in surfing or any sport, and also for all the aspiring young generation of women, to have a bright and promising opportunity in her ambition to be the best of the best women in her sport. I personally won't be competing in or supporting the World Surf League if this rule remains. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Uh, obviously, a right-wing ideologue, uh, Bethany Hamilton, the female professional surfer. So after uh, she uh, made those rather temperate remarks, I would say, I think she's wrong on a couple of things in point of fact, like having their, the, a, a new category and things like that. You're, you're seeding an untruth that you cannot cede. Um, but she's got a lot of the right questions that she asks, and she asks in a very thoughtful way. But, of course, uh, the result of asking questions like that is that the Australian surf company Rip Curl, which I guess is a you know, popular company for okay. surfers and the products they have, uh, they dumped Bethany Hamilton what? as a being. And they replaced her with a dude pretending to be a woman oh. named Sasha Lowerson, who bears a striking resemblance to Connecticut Senator Dick Blumenthal. Yes. Uh, a <laughs> younger did. version
2: or the same age?
0: Uh, I mean, not young, not much younger, not much younger. Yeah. So, so Bethany Hamilton gets dropped. She's an, an actual female server, like professional female server, you know, big time. I, I think she's, as I understand, like you know one of the better ones, the Kelly Slater of female surfing. I don't know, um, and they replace her <laughs> with a dude. I, dude, uh, uh, how do you like me now, Bethany Hamilton, and those that would challenge the LGBTQ2S plus 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 orthodoxy that must be hewed if you want to participate in sports as a female.
2: I mean, does she regret making that I love everyone type of statement before she stated the truth? Because now, I mean, the dude took her job. He's well, affecting her livelihood now.
0: Well, she's walking away from it anyway By because, as you heard her say, if they allow dudes to compete against women, then I'm not going to participate, which is essentially what has to happen. It is up to women and men especially professional athletes, like where is Kelly Slater, where is Laird Hamilton and all these other, uh, where are they to support uh, Bethany Hamilton and and kill the sport on the female side until sanity is regained? I don't know how else it goes that way. It's interesting. One of the questions she asked, where is the sport going to be in 15 to 20 years? Where are any of these sports going to be in 15 to 20 years? When you have, according to that survey that was out last week, more than one in four Gen Z adults in the U.S. identify as on the LGBTQ2S++ spectrum. But no, don't call it a social contagion.
2: 312-642-5600. That's our turnkey.pro answer line. You could text us at 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. I'll tell you, I mean, Leah Thomas put clownfish.
0: She wants she's back you know, in. We, he just, wants back yeah, this, in, I should say.
2: Yeah. Challenging what the World Aquatics and FINA, FINA adopted this, you know, they've effectively, as of June 22, banned transgender women from competing in women's events unless they transition before the age of 12 and compete in women's events. So now she's hired some high power Canadian law firm to try and change the rules. Yeah. To let her in so that she can swim in Paris. For the summer olympics and they better not cave to her because if they do then that and i mean it's well, over that, and c- i'm not gonna cave watch to, the olympics cave to
0: him first of all um it's not a her it's a him thomas leah thomas is a man um this is right name, mike uh, I, I don't care um the so that's number one but number two why wouldn't they cave to him once you again it, it's a simple question is a man pretending to be a woman the same thing as a woman And their answer is yes. That's their answer. My answer is no. Their answer is yes. Once you concede that question, it's over. So I I say again, as I'm going to continue repeating, answer that question and then you know where this thing is going. Individually for someone or collectively for a particular league or particular sport. Is a woman pretending – is a man pretending to be a woman the same thing as an actual woman? What's the answer? Oh, A woman is a woman and a man is a man. By the way, Bethany Hamilton, uh, yeah. uh, Laura Texter, Bethany Hamilton is the um, surfer who survived a, that uh, shark attack that bit off oh. her left arm. Yeah, they that, made they, a movie made the about mo- her. I love that Correct. movie. Yeah, that's Bethany oh, what's Hamilton. That
2: called? Oh, I didn't know that was her. And they took her. I mean, everybody knows who she. I mean, they know the story, or saw the movie. If they didn't see the movie, they heard about the movie. Soul they Surfer. Took Soul Surfer. That's right. And they, she's not a spokesperson anymore for that company. No, because she spoke the truth.
0: Yeah. So they got a, they got Dick Blumenthal in a blonde wig instead.
2: <laughs> you know what? You're onto something with the Dick Blumenthal.
0: I mean, take a look at it. Take a I look did. at the the, the dude who replaced Bethany Hamilton, Ooh. and tell me that. And then, you know, imagine Dick Blumenthal and then put a blonde wig on him and tell me that that's not him. Maybe it is him going under a pseudonym.
2: Surfers were supposed to be sexy, and that is not sexy.
0: No. <sighs> uh, Mary Kay, Western Springs.
11: Okay. So, Amy, when we when we were younger and we started, you know, I was getting heavy into uh, the triathlon thing, The the people at the gym trainers, everybody agreed that you could not train hard enough as a woman to look like a dude. Remember we could lifting weights weren't, wasn't going to change our bodies into some, you know, like we weren't going to get freakish and look like, like male athletes. Okay. But right. that's changed right. because something happened. We evolved testosterone levels increased or something happened in that regard. So back at Riley Gain now this, the, the movie that you just soul surfer was, uh, Awesome movie, rock solid, came out in the mid uh two thousands, two thousand ten, I think it was about. Um, great movie, inspired a whole bunch of stuff, but Riley Gaines is the one, in my opinion, who's doing the right thing. In October coming up, there'll be a day called ten ten october tenth because it's X. X and that's the female hormone thing. They're going to celebrate. They tried to get this off the ground this past October, but the Israeli, um, the Israeli Israeli Palestine war started, and um, so the Leadership Institute, which she's heavily involved in and has her own thing going there, Riley Gaines does. There'll be a Independent day. Independent called- women
0: forums. Yeah.
11: Yes. 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 Yeah, so on ten ten it'll it'll be going October tenth. So keep your it's gonna be here before you know it, like the election, Amy. So we'll we'll start promoting this ten ten twenty four deal. It'll be an event and it'll be huge. And by that time, hopefully all the athletes and I'll spread the word as I usually do. So will the Leadership Institute and we'll be celebrating a day for women, XX Day, and it'll be huge, I think. That's my, that's my thoughts. And Matt Walsh said it a long time ago, and he ha- keeps saying it, and I'll keep saying it. Watch the movie, What is a Woman? There is just yeah. no question about what a woman is, guys. That's it. That's-
0: Thanks for the call, Mary Kay. Deborah, Arlington Heights.
6: Let's talk about DNA. Okay, that's over. DNA is DNA. But let's talk about dysmorphia, and I've brought this up before. Like... An anorexic looks in a mirror and sees an overweight person. It's not reality. An overweight person, now that we're, you know, looking in the other direction, that's looking in the mirror and seeing that that's okay and that's normal, is is not seeing, you know, a healthy person. When you're looking in a mirror and you're, you're, you're dealing with dysmorphia, you're not seeing what's real. So why don't we get mental health involved and recommend those sorts of you know, avenues to pursue. But we don't do that anymore. We just, that's like out the window.
0: Well yeah well well one of the things that you have to get is that the um the, the, the mental health professionals They're well, in on it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're pushing yeah. this
2: bull jive.
0: Thanks for the call, Deborah. That's You're the not problem. Happy?
2: Well are you really a woman or are you really a man? Maybe that'll make you feel better.
0: You you have And that you doesn't have, do anything. You have the state places like California, in countries like Canada, in states like Texas, family law courts. You have the state relying on these mental health professionals to take children away from their parents when the parent won't indulge the child's identity crisis. That's where things are at. I I think people, some people... um, That in your circles, probably not you, if you listen to the show, don't realize how far down the rabbit hole we are. Same thing with, you know, all the race hustling, the DEI and stuff. You think because you see a couple of high profile victories and and pushback that uh, we've turned the tide that we're winning these cultural battles. That's not the case. And the other side is pedal to the floor that not not the those little blips that we can point to with respect to the LGBT, the Lavender Bund and that their uh, gender bending uh, agenda, uh, the race hustlers. Those, you know, little hiccups, those battles they lose, they're still waging the war with the same intensity. Candice in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Wisconsin.
11: Good
6: morning, you guys. Okay, two points I want to make. Who is Jermaine Greer? Do you, have you heard of her, Dan? Her
0: yeah, she's you? a she's a third wave feminist from back in the day. Um, I
6: know, but have you heard her interviews on the trans?
0: Uh,
6: it's fascinating. Wh- she's wh- not for them, and right. I think her response is better than anything I've heard women say in this country. <laughs> you, you know, they would start going through this stuff before we did, and. I thought the interviewer was uh shocked by her surprise, but she's like she just, like blurted out she 's like i 'm sorry, but they 're not women, and they can put on the makeup all they want, but that still doesn't make them a woman i mean she i mean she well, said something extremely unpopular
0: well well yeah i mean but 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 right but so that, that's why there's the there's why, that's why that 's why there's the acronym turf trans exclusionary radical feminist so Jermaine yeah. Greer is a radical feminist who's got to be in her 80s now. You know, the Gloria Steinem generation of feminism. But, but but of course, they were party to where we are today. They just don't fully appreciate it. Some do, actually, but they just generally don't fully appreciate it. Um, so and one
6: other point I want to make is yeah, um, right. I think what was also party to this, because uh, I knew uh, gay kids uh, growing up, not a lot, just a few, but what I think is – what I hear these little kids saying over and over again is I didn't feel like I was part of society anywhere. And, you know, if you grew up in the cosmopolitan magazine generation, which is Gen Z or, or boomers, I mean, it was like the only women who went up in, in, in society class were the beautiful ones. And so if you as were it should
0: born, be, I'm kidding.
6: It, it, well, okay. But okay. anyway, if you were born this kind of androgynous looking female or uh, female, you know, female looking male, where, where, you know, in a place of our society in the U.S., where, where is their place? So I understand.
2: You know, uh, what are we going to do with uh, the ugly people is what I'm No. no, no. Look,
0: no. I just
2: think that everybody's gay and the Thanks, whole look Candace. at me culture. Sorry, I'm going to repeat that. I think that everybody, being gay is not unique. I feel like everybody's gay. So being gay is not enough. Now they got to take it to a next level. Cross-dressing is not enough. Now you got to be a trans.
0: It's 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 being promoted. That's why it's a contagion. It's being celebrated, and when you when you celebrate something, you beget it. When you extol something, you get more of it. It's essentially psychic subsidizing this um, identity, because there are people with uh, bad motivations that are essentially pushing this line of thinking. But but the whole thing about oh, back in the day um, when kids didn't belong and this and that—that's the 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 the. the 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 where the seeds of this were germinated no kids not belonging because they're not the jock or they're not the beautiful girl or whatever i mean come on that's that's every generation from time immemorial so it 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 certainly does i mean and i'm not saying candace is excusing it for that it certainly doesn't excuse any of this and it is not of course the the right approach to say well now you're going to belong uh, because even though you know you don't fit the Cosmo definition of the beautiful woman or something, we're going to have it belong because you are going to identify as this, or you are going to be attracted to these. All of that is ideological propagandizing. The the if you had character instruction in schools, you would help people understand that that where their value lies beyond you know the surface and so forth and 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 be better at coping with ridicule or a sense of loneliness or exclusion and so forth i mean those are just like excuses that are made for some of the most barbaric uh conduct in the direction of kids uh that has gone on in the last i don't know well i mean i guess it's concurrent with all of these other barbaric uh, Uh, Conduct in the direction of kids, starting with uh, Margaret Sanger in the 20th century and fast forwarding over the last hundred years. But that's just that's that is the the left's calling card. But but uh, you just you can't do the We were too intolerant of people who were different or people who felt on the outside in, you know, on the outside in in uh, in high school. Then we didn't get to sit at the cool kids lunch table. Come on. No way. No way does that excuse, rationalize, or uh, provide a causal link to what we see today.
2: Right. I agree with you.
0: Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Only the biggest stories. Only the biggest guests. And only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We're talking about, uh, before the break, talking about Bethany Hamilton, the uh, female professional surfer. She was the young lady who had her arm bitten off in a shark attack 20 years ago and went on to still become this professional surfer. Well... She's questioning men competing against uh, her in surfing, so she got bounced from uh, the being a spokesman for this popular surfing outfit and replaced, ironically enough, by a man pretending to be a woman who is competing in on the women's surfing circuit. This is the sort of stuff, I guess, that Joe Rogan was talking about recently when he... Um, And I mean, just as an aside, I don't know how anybody who describes himself as Joe Rogan is like so popular or a go to guy for self-respecting conservatives. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, Rogan uh, describing how what happened in California not only drove him out of California, but drove him at least somewhat more to the
4: right. Take a listen. Well, I used to be a part of the blue bubble. I, I was 100% a left-leaning person who lived in Los Angeles. I was 100%. I never voted Republican my whole life. I was very left-leaning, especially with like any social issues. When it comes to financial things, I'm a little bit more conservative. But at the end of the day... I'm way more left than I am right. But California went nuts, man. It's gone like full communist. It's out of its f-ing mind. And their approach to law enforcement is so insane. It's so insane. The no cash bail, the letting people out for committing violent crimes, the f-ing st- not stopping people for stealing up to whatever money it is. Was it $900 now? I think they raised it. I think they made it a little higher. San Francisco is non-existent. San Francisco, most of San Francisco is emptied out of, like, big chain stores and big department stores. Yeah. They, I, I, w- I wouldn't even do stand-up there anymore. It's crazy. It's, they yeah. ruined it. They ruined the city. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you can bring it back. The structure's still there. But yeah, you yeah. have to have some hardcore Rudy Giuliani type motherfucker to come in there and knock heads. Wow. And nobody wants that. You nobody know... wants that. They're peace, love, and granola and fucking wear a mask.
0: Yeah, and uh, rearrange your body parts, which is something else Joe Rogan has railed against, to his credit, I will say. Um, And such uh, in California, to the extent that migrants uh, that are dropped off in L.A. or make their way through California's border with Mexico into the state are not just entitled to free health care. They're entitled to free gender reassignment surgeries. That's what he's talking about. Um, That doesn't make him uh, a conservative thinker. It just makes him a master of the obvious. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I mean, so 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 there is this um, backlash. But the problem is that people who would replace Bethany Hamilton with a dude as their spokesman for. ...women surfing and their surfing products, they're in control of the institutions. And as we were just discussing, the idea that there are some mental health professionals... ...that are going to save us from the people that are in control of these institutions... ...and perpetuating this ideology, um, that's who we're talking about. Those that are in control of the medical professions... And the medical schools. Now you starting to see the problem we've got. Structural. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by Ian Kingsbury, Director of Research for Do No Harm, Senior Fellow at the Educational Freedom Institute as well. Ian, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
15: Thanks for having me.
0: So, um, you know, I, we were just discussing, so it's a perfect segue to you, the we had uh, seemingly some victories over die uh, with DEI, with uh, DEIB. Now I'm sorry, I've got to include B belonging because that's now the new acronym for some of these corporate committees. Um, so we had some victories with the uh, Supreme Court decision in the Harvard admissions cases, with the self-immolation of a couple of Ivy League presidents. But um, nothing stops. Nothing is stopping, and I don't see any substantial change of institutional control uh, with respect to med schools and other associated academic and cultural institutions as it pertains to some of the issues that we're talking about. Do you?
15: No. Things are completely out of control in the medical field. Um, You know, medical training is just being supplanted by woke indoctrination. So all this time that you would hope that medical students are learning how to diagnose illness or to perform surgery, an enormous amount of that time is just spent learning about woke social justice activism. It's really alarming.
2: And and so well, this um, is a moneymaker, though. I mean, isn't this isn't this going to be a billion dollar industry by twenty fifty?
15: Uh, for the transgender medicine.
2: Yep, and surgeries. And, but 20, sure yeah I
15: mean,
0: twenty thirty
15: yeah, there there's certainly big money to be made here. Uh, it's hard to say truthfully the extent to which that's really even animating all of this. I think for certain people, certainly it can help rationalize it. but truthfully, I think the bigger problem is just that there are zealots who have captured these medical institutions who really believe in this stuff. Uh, they you know, they think that these experiments that they're doing are, are for the advancement of humanity. That's really the bigger problem.
0: Yeah, and they and so you have some some uh, bad examples and some um, uh, get less than properly couched statements that come out of a Vanderbilt University Hospital system and University of Wisconsin Hospital system. And there's a bit of a firestorm around them for a moment, and maybe some people get shuffled around. Uh, but it doesn't stop. I know that that the clinic over in the U.K. got shut down because of the adverse outcomes for patients. That was a Tavoc sock. But but, um, but 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 none of this is stopping. And so I, I, what is do you have a prescription on terms of how to make it stop? What can people do? What can the medical profession do against um, the institutional powers at the AMA and at these med schools?
15: Right. You know, unfortunately, uh, things are so out of control that it essentially does compel legislative action at this point. And we're seeing this in, And unfortunately, right now it's exclusively red states, but efforts toward, for example, um, you know, restricting access to puberty blockers, to cross-sex hormones, to surgery. So Ohio was just the latest state uh, to take this measure after the legislature overrode the governor's veto on this but you know there are a number of states now that have done this and unfortunately there's a number more that probably are going to have to do this because it's just not it's not even clear that the AMA or these other organizations can see themselves to sanity they're they're going to need you know legislative action
0: what, what about something something like a great barrington declaration to organize medical professionals from across the country across institutions to um you know, speak with a singular voice and to have some profile so people see that the what you're being told by those who have the titles isn't what equally credentialed professionals in these sectors believe.
15: Right. I, so I think my organization, Do No Harm, is is helping leading the charge on this. Uh, we have you know, we have many members who are doctors, who are uh, starting to find their voice on, on opposing these sorts of things publicly. I think if there's reason for optimism, uh, it's becoming a little bit easier or more comfortable for medical professionals to speak out on this because things have simply gotten so out of control. And because I think people are understanding that these issues aren't just going to resolve themselves and they can't just sit on the fence and wait for things to get better that you do now have all of these people who are, you know who are really signing on to this project to try to restore sanity to medicine.
0: Uh, is there is, uh, are you starting to see yet that can be you know quantified, a decline in the quality of the doctors? Let's just speak to speak to doctors specifically. It's one thing to be you know to focus on plastic surgery or, or even worse gender reassignment or abortion. It's it's but but you're still a you know qualified expert in your field. Um, But it's another thing if you're not a qualified expert in your field because you've been focused on, you know, DEI tracks and the rest of the politics surrounding what goes on in medical schools as what went on at their undergraduate schools. So the, the quality of the professionalism in the profession, is there a demonstrable decline that is measurable at this point?
15: So I don't know offhand data that would speak to that decline. I certainly know anecdotally this is something that an enormous people are enormous number of people are aware of. Uh, we hear from members of our organization, other members of the public, that they're nervous about seeing a doctor who's under the age of forty or under the age of fifty, because they understand that the the quality of the medical training that they that they received is very different than what they would have received a generation ago. It's just so much about this social activism. Uh, I spoke a couple weeks ago with a medical student at the UCLA School of Medicine, which is one of the absolute worst offenders in all of this. Uh, There was an article actually in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago about how they were segregating their medical students by race for Mm -hmm. certain activities. Yeah, crazy place, and Mm -hmm. unsurprisingly, according to the student, uh, you have large numbers of students who are failing uh, basic assessments as part of their uh, training within the medical school because, again, they're not learning medicine. They're learning um, just crazy, broke nonsense.
0: Well, you had also that high-profile case, was it last year, within the last year or so, of that uh, renowned uh, organic chemistry professor, I think it was at NYU, definitely East Coast that got that essentially got fired because he was failing kids in organic chemistry that were failing organic chemistry. But you don't want kids that fail organic chemistry going on to be a doctor.
15: Right. Yeah. You know, it's uh, there are certainly people out there who are trying to do the right thing and and still enforce rigor and standards. The, the problem is when you think of a school like UCLA, you know, every incentive uh, is, is for you to sort of just uh, join, the, join the chorus and, um, you know, keep your head down and, and participate in the woke insanity. I applaud people who, you know, who fight back, but if you're in a place like UCLA or, you know, the, whichever, and I, I can't recall the institution, the one you just mentioned, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, you get a target on your back for, um, for trying to be a sane person.
0: What about the breakdown in trust that's not die related, but I mean, it's sort of the same dynamic, the the group think that you're talking about, the the sharing of a brain, the madness of it all uh, because of politics. And um, I'm talking about the uh, trust relationship that was broken during covid. And now more information is coming out. Representative Tom Massey from Kentucky posted this missive from Anthem Health Insurance about the incentives that doctors had to get all their patients vaccinated, regardless of their viewpoints, regardless of whether or not they thought maybe kids don't need to be vaccinated, but older people with comorbidities did. None of that mattered. It was a straight schedule of you get this percentage of our our, uh, clients vaccinated and you get this much bonus. And you had a, a pediatrician named... Dr. Kirk Milhone, who testified before the House Committee on COVID, talking about exactly that, the idea that doctors would and, and hospitals would have been paid to do things that were potentially averse to their, client, their patient's interests, or at least they thought so, and um, they went along with it, because if you didn't go along with it, then there was the stick on the other side of it.
15: Yeah, they— the medical profession is burning an enormous amount of trust and credibility. And I think for the most part, the people inside of it don't really understand what's happening because they tend to get wrapped up in their own bubbles and and sort of not fully taking stock of how people outside of that assess it. And so you look at the uptake of other standard childhood vaccines and you uh, you can see those rates decreasing. And then you'll have statements from, uh, you know, from people in organizations like the American Medical Association uh, trying to blame actually conservatives and Republicans for eroding that trust. But they Mm -hmm. they never look in the mirror and and try to actually, you know, acknowledge the role that that they might have played in all of this. And it's really sad because, uh, you know, modern medicine can do amazing and terrific things for people. Uh, You know, there's going to be real consequences to the, to the trust that, that they forfeited.
0: He is Ian Kingsbury, Director of Research for Do No Harm, Senior Fellow at the Educational Freedom Institute as well. Ian, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
15: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Thank you. And he joined us on our Answer line. Listen
1: to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.